Hello and welcome to Vibrant Lives podcast, formerly Amanda's Wellbeing podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to health and well-being, featuring interviews with experts in the areas of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food facts series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a lawyer turned nutritionist with a deep curiosity about living a healthy, active and fulfilling life, which I would call a vibrant life and sharing what I learn with you on this podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I will mention that, although I will often be speaking with experts, any advice or information provided in Vibrant Lives podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure or prevent injuries or medical conditions, and it is never a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today, I am here with podiatrist, Tom May. My personal experience has been that feet are easily ignored until something goes awry and then you realize what an important part of your overall well-being your feet are. Problems with your feet can have a huge impact on your quality of life and that's where podiatrists come in. So podiatrists are experts in foot, ankle and lower limb health and they can help prevent and diagnose and treat a wide range of conditions. And today, Tom and I will chat all about that, what podiatrists do, our biomechanics, and how to best look after our feet. Hi, Tom. Welcome to Vibrant Lives podcast. Tom, you're the first podiatrist I've interviewed, so I think there's a lot of things we can talk about. Before we learn about the wonderful world of feet, I'd like to understand how you came to be a podiatrist. So podiatrists, I believe, fall under the banner of allied health, like physiotherapists, dietitians, and psychologists. So in the world of healthcare, what drew you towards podiatry specifically? Uh, thanks, Amanda, and thanks for having me on. Um, I guess my from my background... I actually never knew what a podiatrist was until I actually started studying and a very close friend of mine who I practiced with for a number of years. Um, I mean, his his background, for example, is one of which he, he'd actually seen a podiatrist. And I think this is how a lot of people perhaps get into allied health mm-hmm. via a previous experience they'd had growing up and thought um, that's that's perhaps what I want to do and when uh, when I when I finish school and, and grow up and into the big wide world so I, I hadn't had that ex- actual experience I was interested in science and yep. I unbeknownst to me I didn't know I was interested in health science um, and you're quite right podiatry does fall under the allied health banner and I actually studied environmental science that was always what I was okay. passionate about at school and then uh, sort of um, I guess spent a, a year or so at uni studying that first and it was actually my bro- older brother who I always and still do look up to that yep. said um, and generally anything he says I've, I've followed in life so he <laughs> said hey I think you'd be good in in the health space so and he actually took it upon himself uh, to go and uh, get the information for me and and we you know physio is the first thing that came to mind yeah and uh, it turns out I hadn't done physics at school, so that was a prerequisite to get into physiotherapy. Really? Yeah. I don't think it is anymore, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not mm. actually sure. Um, and but I'd sort of I'd done biology and, and chemistry and science. That was sort of what I was interested in, mm-hmm. as I said. And so podiatry sort of came up, and I and I applied to do that. And as it turned out, it's very 
and and it still is, um, to my knowledge, very similar in first year as a as a uh, like a first year uh, curriculum, if you like, you know, anatomy, biology, physiology, etc. So I thought, look, I'll I'll do it for a year, see what it's all about, and 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 I think by the end of that year, I'd sort of perhaps been drawn to some sort of passion around what you could what you did as a podiatrist yeah and and no longer had a you know, sort of knew what physios were because i'd you know done plenty of injuries playing sport growing up so i sort of knew what a physio was and perhaps decided that wasn't for me but you know as i said drew this passion towards podiatry yeah, yeah that's so interesting and how long does it take to become a podiatrist yeah so at the time that i studied so i finished into my undergraduate study i finished in 2004 it was a three-year degree at the time I've actually been involved with teaching for the last 12 years. Um, it actually moved to a four-year program, I think around maybe mid-2000s, 2006 or something like that. And that's, I think, to keep it in line with most of the other allied health mm-hmm. studies. And I think sort of, in my opinion, it, it probably felt like four years was crammed into three when I did it. So, right. Yeah. Um, so, it's pretty, uh, I think, across the board, most sort of, tertiary undergraduate degrees are four years now anyway so i think it's to keep in line with that anyway long story yeah it was three years at the time i then did a actually did a master's of health science in podiatry which was a coursework master's degree i started that in 2006 um and did that part-time while i was working full-time until i think i finished around 2010 2011 right so you've done quite a lot of study along the way yeah yeah enough yeah Yeah, for me anyway obviously a lot to know about feet <laughs> yeah yeah and i think i think i think the the best part of um i think the, the the best thing about doing a doing postgraduate study was actually having worked for a period of time and then being able to then like clearly learn more but use sort of some experience that you'd had yeah. in the field and then with a bit more understanding or perhaps different perspective when you've gone back and studied again in in whatever that might be i think yeah, yeah. i think that's really true and you can also tailor the study to what you're really interested in because you have more insight by then. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So can you tell us then what podiatrists actually do? I mean, I think most people think feet, but there's probably a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, so that's clearly the first recognisable thing we do with a foot. I I mean, by definition, we're from the knee down or just below the knee Mm -hmm. down. Okay. Um, But and, and I, I guess it refers to any foot ailment. It could be a skin issue or a nail issue. Right. It could be a sporting injury, for example, um, that's so a soft tissue injury. So it, it's quite it's quite broad in right. that sense. Um, and then perhaps more, and what we're seeing more recently, I th- in, you know, across allied health in general, um, or certainly you know, podiatry and physiotherapy, um, where I've worked closely in that space is sort of not specializations in the right word, but um, interest, focus, interest areas of individual practitioners. Yeah. So, as as you're aware, mine's sort of more aligned to sport. So I'm yes. probably see more injuries pertaining to sport than might be um, perhaps um, you know, skin and nail care sure. and those sorts of stuff. So yeah. th- that's sort of where it fits in. And, and if we're dealing with a, a like an injury pertaining to the foot, it's it's the person that's, um, it's the person that sustained that injury. So an understanding of their overall well-being. So we've got to go 
more proximal to the knee or we've got to go above the knee um, to, to obviously um, have some awareness of that particular person, but perhaps also of a, a previous hip injury they might yeah, have had sure. or a lower back injury yeah. or, or just their health in general. You've got to understand the whole lot, even though we're only perhaps yeah. involved with the bottom. Well, it's yeah. all connected, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're getting well, at. That kind of leads me to the next question yeah. I had, which is as a person with a sore foot, for example, yeah. how do you know whether you should see a physio or a podiatrist? Like if I had a sore yeah. foot, what would I do? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have this, I actually discuss this with, you know, people quite mm. frequently because it sort of comes down to your own, it comes down to your own circumstances and also your own perception of who I need to go and see. Yeah. And, you know, so, so many acute injuries perhaps would typically, so, so someone sprains their ankle on a weekend, they're, they're probably inclined to typically go and see a, and I'll use this as an example, certainly a physiotherapist or yeah. even their GP yeah. as a first point of call. It's not really a podiatry thing. Podiatry perception, public perception is, I don't go and see the podiatrist now. I've just said it's from the knee down. It's kind of right in the middle of what we deal with. <laughs> so the anatomy that we deal with, and it's just what happens. Um, so in that regard, I, I, in 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 my clinical uh, area, I'll I'll see, I perhaps you know to use an ankle as a as an example, I might see a, a chronic ankle issue over an acute ankle issue. Right. So someone that's had chronic ankle mm-hmm. pain over a period of time and may have seen several different people and wound up seeing me um, for opinion or advice or management or whatever it might be. So, um, and going back to your question, I think, I think, yeah, so I guess if it's, if it's foot related, I guess technically anything foot related, if I've got a sore foot, well, that's, that's, that's us. But yeah. um, a sore foot also goes and sees a physio, or, you know, could see anyone, an osteopath or could see a, a doc or, or whoever yeah. else. So it probably depends on type of injury. Um, and, and we might be we might be a primary source of care for someone, or we might be we might be it might be more referral based. So it might be facilitated via a GP. Mm. I mean, an ingrown toenail. There's another one that's a common ailment um, <laughs> that people perhaps if someone's known that a podiatrist um, have seen a podiatrist before, they might suggest let's. Or, or know of a podiatrist treating that, they go straight to them. But that would commonly wind up at a GP as well. Yeah. And then get referred to a podiatrist. Well, my experience coming to see you was yep. via referral from a physio. Sure. Sorry if you can hear a bit of background noise. We've got some <laughs> renovations going on. <laughs> so, Tom, what are then the most common types of injuries that you see in your clinic? Yeah. I, I think it's, um, as I sort of um, alluded to before, my, my, my area of um, of interest and most of my area of practice um, is in is in sport mm-hmm. um, of all levels I might add as well so um, sort of from elite through to anyone weekend doing warriors. any weekend warriors that's a good point <laughs> yeah that's a good one um, so you know so it could that, that's sort of where that lies so I might see I might see some acute injuries. I might see sort of typically perhaps in a runner, for example, some overuse injuries. You know, people might be aware of things like plantar fasciitis or shin splints, and I'll I'll use generic sort of um, uh, diagnoses there if you like. They're probably two of the types of injuries. And I think just going back to your previous question, I think when 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 it's from a referral source, uh, in sport, you can't – 
and certainly in my opinion, you can't, I can't work wholly and solely to best manage, you know, your particular issue, for example, Amanda. So I would say, so if you are referred by your physiotherapist, they're referring to me for a particular skill set, yeah. not to do the same thing, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, for example, Amanda's running and she's got an issue and, you know, referral to Tom, is she in the right running shoe? Mm-hmm. Um, um, for example, or can you, can, do I need advice on a particular stretch or strengthening yeah. advice or these sort of things? So, um, that, that might be where it fits in. Yeah. Like my personal experience has been as a very average athlete, in my case, I still need a team of people. Yeah. A physio, you, yeah. as you say, everyone treats something slightly different and because yeah. it all is related, yeah, you know, you need to deal with each issue I think as well, I'll just jump in as well, man. I reckon with – the other relevant thing as well is is kind of – one is where I practice and the circumstances of, of my patient, if you like. So, if I – I, I don't want to – I can't set them up with a, a network of people to help them out if that's relevant, if it's not appropriate or not suitable mm-hmm. for them um, or not, a, you know, and achievable for them. So, it's, it's sort of – it's got, it's got to be an individualized approach. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and, and I might be, and I'm lucky enough to work with an elite sport team that have, you know, these individuals or athletes have a massive team around them. Yeah. And the weekend warrior doesn't necessarily. So we've got to work out what's the best sort of team around them and for, to facilitate where they want to go or what their goals essentially are. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, that makes sense. And I would, I'd like to talk about sports and biomechanics, yep. but just something I've wondered <clears throat> is if you is, can you tell anything about someone's general health just by the state of their feet or not really? I try not to. Yeah. I okay. try not to. I think it's very, I try not, but in saying that, you know, you, you find this because it's what you do. And I'm yeah. perhaps interested in, like you say, biomechanics. So movement and, and how people move and the way they move. And you can't not help, uh, you know, find yourself, um, <laughs> um, you know, analyzing, I guess, how people move and how they stand and perhaps what their foot posture or structure is like. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. There's people with really bad feet and really bad biomechanics yeah. that function and achieve incredible things. Sure. So it's um, sort of fraught with danger. Sort of the the uh, if we if we just look at that alone sure. and not understand someone's history, I guess, and and where they've come from and and what they're capable of doing. Right. In so light you, of their feet, you basically you're not jumping to conclusions correct yeah yeah on- yeah because mm-hmm. we don't we know we the longer i've practiced the more i've seen that yeah especially if we're sort of looking at an aesthetic type thing or judging looking at someone's feet and suggesting or, or feet or foot posture or whatever else it might be and making assumptions that because of that they've they've had issues or they're going to have issues like i don't think that's helpful for anyone mm. um and conversely Perhaps a very good looking foot, if, if, <laughs> if you like, might run into issues as well. So, there's yeah. no perfect foot. There's no bad foot, really. Yeah. 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 No, I guess everyone is completely different, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So, and that's where you come in. You you look at the issue at hand. Yeah. And I think help. so. So, before we talk about biomechanics, I, 
I'm quite interested in learning a little bit more about orthotics because I think that's another thing people think about when they think of a podiatrist. So first of all, what are they? Oh, you've opened up a can of worms here. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, I guess put simply an orthotics, uh, an, an insert or an insole that's um, fitted to or placed in someone's shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think there's a – it could be anything as well, like by definition. So, it's not just a custom orthotic. It's not just oh, okay. an orthotic that perhaps comes from the chemist. Um, the utilisation is – is, is widespread. Right. Okay. So it's not, it, not just podiatrists that are prescribing it as well. Um, and it's, um, yeah, so they're, they're widespread. Um, it's, it's probably, and there's no, I guess straight from the outset, there's no, there's no right orthotic. There's no, there's okay. no one type of orthotic that's for everyone or anything like that. Yeah. It's got to be individualized. What was your specific question? Though? Well, I wonder I don't want to talk about the kind of thing yeah. you might walk in and buy yeah. off the shelf in the sure. chemist. Yeah. If I'm coming to see you and you assess that I need an orthotic, yeah. what kind of things would that be for? Like when sure. would you prescribe okay. an orthotic? Let's try and break this down. So often um, in, a, in, a, in a circumstance which an orthotic might be utilised, we probably they've historically been prescribed in a space of realigning you. Right. Yes, that was my understanding. Yeah, and and that's actually how I was taught. Now I finished in two thousand four. Still, how I was taught at the time. So they realigned your body. We now know that that's not the case. Like we we have enough evidence to suggest that's not the case. And even if they did, it's inconsistent. Like if oh, they were able to realign you, yeah. it's not consistent one person to the next, okay? So we know, but we know they work. So, yeah. and when I say work, we know that they improve pain and yeah. function. We've mm-hmm. seen that. We've seen improvements in symptoms. So we just aren't 100% clear on the mechanism in which way the way they work, like a lot of treatments. Yeah, that's um, interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and. It's, it'd be nice if it did, and we sort of look for simple, be simple answers or simple mechanisms of the way things interact um, and work to produce a desired effect. Yeah. But it's unfortunately not as simple as that. Um, and and if we're doing that, we're kind of oversimplifying it. So we know that they're uh, from an orthotic point of view. What we 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 know that they are have the ability to uh, change or manipulate how force is applied to your body via when you're walking, when you're running on them. So if we can change that, we might be able to unload or take stress off a particular tissue, okay, whether that's a tendon or a ligament or a muscle or a joint Mm -hmm. or a bone. So if we look at it as simple as that, and I think the other thing to have that, the other probably perhaps more tangible thing for your listeners and for people in general is that they go inside a shoe. So... The outcome of an orthotic, whether to improve someone's foot pain yeah. or to improve their function or comfort, is the outcome is going to be the sum of the effect of the orthotic and the shoe that yes. they're put into because we can't just wear an orthotic and strap it to our foot. <laughs> and that's often a way, a very simple way of I'll explaining it to a student that, you know, in, in you know in my students that I'm teaching. So, 
we better get the shoe right as well. Yeah. And perhaps too much focus or emphasis is on is on an orthotic. And I think if we perhaps sort of look at them, perhaps just consider an orthotic and a shoe the same thing mm-hmm. and prescribing them, if we're going to utilise an orthotic, it's got to work with the shoe as well. Yeah, well, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I do want to talk about shoes, but before we do that, can you tell me, because even since I've seen you over yeah. a few years, there's been a big change in technology, I believe. Yeah in producing or making yep. the orthotics. Yep. Can you just tell us how it's done? Yeah, sure. So traditionally and and I, I you know, I prescribe orthotics and it's not about it, the argument or debate over whether they work or not works. Like that, let's knock that on the head cuz you still have they didn't work for me or like they don't work for anyone. They work for everyone. Let's like there's a different orthotic or a different type of orthotic or no orthotic or a particular type of shoe. So something's going to work yeah. for everyone. We've got to mm-hmm. find it. So it's got to be individualized. So the fact that um, Amanda, your friend, didn't get on well with them doesn't mean you're not going to get on well with yeah, them as well. Sure. And that's, you know, that's com- that's common across health, isn't it? So, Absolutely. Um, we... That's that's probably the first thing. Anyway, technology. Yeah. So we've probably been... We've probably come from a space of... In podiatry, and it's relevant, that's what I do. So, it's relevant to talk about that specifically from um, a, a means of we probably people may be aware if they've had the process before of plaster molding the yeah. foot um, and then some fairly sort of traditional methods of then from that plaster mold of the foot, which gives us a, uh, uh, which customizes the, the, the orthotic that's made. Um, to their foot versus something that's sort of pre-made or generic made. What we're doing now and what's pretty well widespread or I mean, I'm not sure what the percentages would exactly be, but most podiatrists that are utilizing custom orthotics are scanning the foot. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it is. And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's certainly um, improved our efficiencies. Um, the, the actual the quality of the scanners is fantastic mm. it's, it's come a long way so the ability to take a um a very accurate scan of the foot has improved and that's that was probably not my resistance but perhaps what i was afraid of moving from plastic and molding the foot to scanning the foot that we were sort of perhaps missing something if the scanners weren't yeah just producing pretty pictures because the foot's very intricate and we've got mm. 26 bones yeah. and lots of joints yeah very interesting mm. so if we if we if we're going to be specific or accurate and with this customization process if we're if we're missing if our technology if you like is missing a centimetre, well, we might be on a different bone or a different joint by then. Yeah, that's probably not a good result. No. <laughs> so, we're not getting – and if that's the starting point, we're really not trying to get a true accurate reflection of um, or impression of someone's foot. So, that's probably where that's gone. And then from a manufacturing point of view, we're using 3D printing. Yeah, I yeah. think that that is fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. And the, the outcome as a client is that it's much lighter, Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so. that's right. So, we're – from a material point of view, we're sort of I'm a I'm, look I'm a minimalistic person anyway. So, I you know if we if we're using the ability to use less to achieve an outcome, and that's probably back to a, a conversation five minutes ago. Oh yeah, I had some orthotics twenty years ago. I wore them when I was a kid, and now these you know I had to wear a shoe that was 
another size big and they were hard and they made my feet sore and all these sorts mm. of things and I inevitably put them in the put them in the cupboard and never wore them again yeah. so that's that's a really common story it's probably still got that weekly well now you know these advances if you like or this ability to do this yeah has made the the prescription and and the features of them such that they are very comfortable to wear. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable, you don't wear it. Yeah. So, I mean that that is really yeah, important, yeah, I think. Because yeah. yeah. If it's if it's not if if it's uncomfortable, despite the fact it might be doing you good, you're still not going to wear it, are yeah, you? Yeah. That's mm. right. And that's a common thing as well when I'm mm. orthotics fitted. Should I should I, should my knees be sore for a bit? Well, <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, are your knees sore now? Like that's it's, so for mine, it's it's got to be comfortable from the outset. It's not comfortable, and um, you know, and I I, I I get that with athletes. They're not going to push through. I can't have a someone that runs ten k's. They're not going to be uncomfortable. They're going to take them out of their shoe. And, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty quickly. Well, that's a good point to talk about athletes yeah. and and biomechanics. Yeah. So biomechanics is one of the things you're interested yeah. in in yeah. your practice. Yeah. Um. So, can you talk to us a little bit about how do you actually assess biomechanics? Yeah. yeah. Really good question. I guess what we do is quite uh, – what we have the ability to do is quite unique in that uh, my colleague that I work with um, uh, has a PhD in biomechanics and it was his, it's, it's his passion and he set up our particular clinic or the clinic that, I'm, uh, that I consult and practice from where we've got the only 3D gate uh lab um certainly locally i'm not sure how many actually sort of privately across australia i'd have to ask him well let alone the world so it's quite unique what i've right. got the ability to do and what that is if perhaps if you like i can i can ask you to so if i want to assess you for example walking a man or running mm-hmm. i could I could ask you to walk up and down the corridor. I could ask you to run up and down the corridor. Yeah. But quickly you get away from me and I can't see you anymore. So yeah. it's hard to obviously see what you're doing. How do we do that? We get you on a treadmill. Then you're not moving away from me at all so I can assess you. Now, my eye can only – I can only view you in 2D. So I can only yeah. see two parts of your movement if mm-hmm. you like. And what – what what and, and I don't have the, as, as good a video as my iPhone camera might have on it or any other camera, for example, might have is very – difficult to really accurately uh, have objective measures. Right. So how much your knee's moving, for example, yeah. how much your ankle's moving. So what that's what 3D uh, gait analysis enables us to do, and that's via a series of um, – you know, big brother-like cameras that surround yeah. <laughs> surround you, surround the treadmill, and they um, uh, they enable us to measure um, accurately mm-hmm. or what we would consider gold standard in terms of how you're moving. Right. Yeah. So, what kind of image do you get? Do you get an image of what uh, the pressure points are, or how the bones are moving? Or I don't. Yeah, good I question. don't even know. <laughs> yeah, and. What we do, and so I'm trying to put this in sort of it can it can get very complicated very quickly. Yeah, and the, the, keep the, it simple. The, yeah, correct. <laughs> and certainly the data or the 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 objective sort of data and graphs of this movement that you mm-hmm. get out of, um, you know, you need a PhD to understand that too. But basically, what we do is we put a 
sort of series, for example, in your knee, if we wanted to assess your knee and hip or ankle, or typically we'd look at all three of them yeah. at the same time, for example, or see how your knee's moving relative to your ankle when your foot strikes the ground or et cetera, or how you're moving is we'll put a, it's, it's putting a series of reflective dots. Okay. Okay. Around that, around your knee joint and they create a model. Um, and that that sort of you can uh, demonstrate that if you like, you can see sort of a, that'll create a skeletal model, and we can see yeah. how you're moving. Yeah, I think I understand because I've had a few bike fits done. Yep, and they use it sounds like it's probably a little bit less sophisticated, but yep. similar sort of technology, and then you can see how your legs are moving yeah. in the yeah. in the cycle. Have you had that done locally? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That's exactly the same. Yeah. 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 No, it's quite amazing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, once you've got this data, yeah. then how do you actually use it? If you find, for example, an inefficiency in in an athlete's gait or something, can you then correct it or Great help them question. correct it? Great. And that, that's, the, that's the next bit. And that's perhaps, I won't say the criticism, but it's the so what factor. Like, mm, yeah. that's great, but what do we actually do with this? Yeah, exactly. And what do we do with all this information? Because sometimes it can become, Amanda is a runner and has a, has a as a hip issue um we're trying to we're trying to create we're trying to find a cause and effect here and it's it comes it can you can can be a bit of a fishing expedition mm. is it her knee that's causing it is it her ankle is it her lower back is it a yeah whatever and so point being i think the the probably the most appropriate uh answer to that is that we've got we we've really got to have a sound clinical question before we actually do an analysis on you. Sure. And so we're not when we're not moving away. I'm certainly not sending you for a gait analysis to find answers. I've assessed you clinically. I understand your background, yeah. and your injury history, and perhaps the fact that you don't have much range in your hip anyway. For example, let's yeah. let's yeah. And so we 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 have a. I understand you clinically, and then we use this information to help understand how you're moving better. Then with that might be perhaps an indication to work on your hip strength or your right. glute strength around your hip or it might be, you know, perhaps from a podiatry perspective, use a certain shoe. If we can have, we've got some objective like data or measurement mm-hmm. that suggests, hang on a minute, this shoe or then we can, we have the ability then to retest as well or this type of intervention or or strength and conditioning program yeah. that we utilize and we can then remeasure and see if that's had a positive effect. Okay. But the outcomes are still the same. I think clinically the outcomes are still the same. And this is where not everyone's got the ability to use this. Not everyone necessarily needs it either. But it's a case of going, well, you're still, you're interested in the fact that you've got hip pain. And so you want that resolved. Yeah. Um, we, we're using this or we're using this clinically to help indicate perhaps your treatment or management plan to resolve your hip pain. Not to necessarily, yeah, we can change your mechanics or to your answer, we might, yeah, there could be some, also some, we might perhaps uh, use some ways of changing the way you run perhaps and yeah. things like that. So changing your running gait or running technique or type of running that you're doing to be able to achieve that, whatever it might be, to achieve an outcome which is still the same. You yeah. don't want a sore hip. 
and or you want to run 4Ks or 10Ks, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. Yeah, because they're your goals. That's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, from my point of view, that was interesting to hear that you, you make the clinical assessment yeah. first um, yeah. before you do the testing. So you're really using it, I think, is it more to fine tune what yeah. you're looking for and being really precise or? I think that's right. and Correct. And it would be to understand you yeah. because if we don't have, there's no, there's, if we just go, I think as well, perhaps a good way of putting it too is that if we just go and find, if I don't do anything and you just go for a running assessment, it becomes a, a so what fact because we don't have normals. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Um. And the fact that something's happening on your left side that's different to your right, again, is a, I'm not sure if that's relevant or not. I don't, sure, not, don't know if we need to change it because we haven't, I haven't sat down with you and, you know, we haven't, we haven't spoke mm. about, you know, your injury or the background to that or yeah. what treatment you've had and what you're, what you're capable of doing. So, yeah, this, this sort of in inverted commas picture of normal um, which it's a sort of a word I hate using because that's that's what people want to hear. Is it normal? Am yeah. I running normally or not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sir, you're yeah. not normal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think, and from a running point of view as well, is is um um and people, yeah, it's all over. You. There's, there's examples over YouTube and things like that of examples of runners that you would you would have questionable biomechanics if you like. Yeah, but. They're running really they get well. get the job done. Yeah. They're winning Olympic gold mm. medals. And you might go um, or do something that's – or run in a, in a manner or move in a manner that you'd go would be a little atypical of from a performance point of view that's going to achieve a desired yeah. result or, or certainly be the best. So, the obvious question, like, should you change that? And probably the answer is, well, the answer is no. Unless because, there's pain or yeah, something. Yeah, that's perhaps. right. Yeah, correct. So, if Amanda's moving in a certain way and she's got an injury, well, we need to work out. And, again, it's, it's, there's, it's, it's in lieu of everything that's going on as well. It's in lieu of what Amanda's actually doing. She's yeah. trying to run 21K. She's got a marathon that she, that's her goal that she's doing or a 10K run or she wants to run the city debate, whatever that might be. That's her goal or objective to get there. So, there's also, like, for example, I need to understand your training history or your, your training load and um, what else you're doing, what, what else you do during the day for yeah. a job. All those sorts of things become relevant to your hip issue as well. Yeah. So, it's all, I guess, long story short, it's all, it's it's part of a much bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. It's very personalized, yeah, obviously. Absolutely. And it's a bit like solving a puzzle. Yeah. 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 One thing I think that's interesting in the running space is that years ago there was a real push towards, you know, midfoot strike and all that stuff. Yeah. And now it seems to be, and I might not be totally up to date, kind of let the person run how they naturally run. Yeah. Don't try and change yeah. their stride too much, yeah. you know, unless there's a reason to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's certainly right. There was probably that 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 strike pattern became topical when barefoot running became topical yeah, as well. It yeah, it did, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because naturally when you barefoot run, you, you're going to run on your forefoot because mm. it hurts to run on your heel. It does, yeah. So, there, can, there, there was sort of at the same time, and this is, we're probably on the other end of it now. It's it's less topical than it mm. was then, but it very much at, so minimalist shoes as well, same time, because they're going to help you run on your forefoot, which mimics barefoot running, which is a more efficient way to run. 
it's not necessarily it's a more efficient way of running if you want to run faster yeah so 100 meter sprinter and for example growing up in the yeah. african savannah or something <laughs> yeah, yeah but if you if you if you want to run the 100 meters for example you don't want to have your heel touching the ground you, you're going to yeah. run much slower but if we're in the interest of perhaps running a marathon there's actually very few tree heel strikes for example so it's very there there are examples of it and there are people that are have the ability to change their gait pattern but probably the easiest thing to do is like we probably do have the capacity to make small changes to our running style but if i ask you to run differently that's actually more energy consuming for you yeah. to do that um and certainly when i think it makes sense to me that if I, if you stop thinking about it you'll go back to whatever is yeah. your norm or inherent running 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 mechanics or running strides so that's probably the uh, that's probably the the two and it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing but we can use i think it's more i believe in my opinion i think it's more relevant to look at the type of running that we're doing yeah, so if runners okay. are, if runners are seeing me and when i mean by type well, what does your training look like yeah. i'm just doing for example i'm running four times or three or four times a week and i'm I'm running the same loop and at the same pace and et cetera, et cetera. So that's my understanding of that. I can then dovetail, okay, let's perhaps can look at what your training looks like yeah. and keep you running, but perhaps perhaps reduce your knee load or stress that's going through your knee or the knee issue that you've got via changing the type of running that you're doing because that will change your knee and the yeah. load on your knee and see if we can get a positive outcome that way um, rather than actually – oh, we need to change your mechanics, Amanda. You're all yeah. wrong. You've been doing it wrong for years. Let's change it sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. As you say, that's pretty hard to do, I think, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I think I think is what doesn't help people. Like, because often someone like, comes running all wrong anyway. I'm, I'm running wrong, aren't I, Tom? Like, or, you know, I, I've, you know. To your point, it's, I've got shocking feet. Don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. they've worked until now. So, let's, you know, so it's, I think, I think the worst thing I can do is catastrophize it further. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Really the only change I've made in my running has been to try and increase my cadence. Yeah. Not the how my feet land or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's been good actually. Yeah. Um, Tom, footwear. That's yes. come up a little bit. You yep. mentioned minimal, minimalist footwear. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of trends in footwear over the years. Yeah. So, Tom... Let's let's go back to the basics. What is your take or your advice on using the in quotes right footwear? Like how does someone pick the best footwear for them, leaving aside all these trends? Yeah. I'm big on shoes. Um, as you well know, and, and I and I think it it's a it's a vital part of potentially though their prescription as I've alluded to previously is more relevant than potentially the orthotics gonna be. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because the question I still get is, do I need an orthotic? Like, like, I've come to see you. I've got this issue. Do I need an orthotic? Not, do I need to change my shoes? Right. It's not typically that. Um, or do I need a different shoe or what shoe is going to be right or what shoe is right for me? Now, the right, what shoe is right for me is a really challenging one. And if you – there's a like, myriad of shoes. Yeah, if you go to a so shoe many. store, how do you choose? Um, and we can really – and we, retailers have – health practitioners in their advice to people of what to go and get they have done it as well we've all been guilty of, of oversimplifying it um and again uh, probably a common theme like what worked for your friend amanda won't work necessarily for you yeah, so true. you know and 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 certain shoe types you know um 
the S6K I know is great, but it's not for everyone. But it's a well-marketed shoe. It's a well-known shoe. So, typically, that there's going to be higher sales of that potentially or people mm. are going to go to that because it's going to be the right shoe for them. So, this is, sounds really simple. The first thing, it's got to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, and there's a you know we've good correlation between finding a comfortable shoe and... Um, and and risk of injury as well. Yeah. So finding a shoe that's comfortable, getting fitted well for it, I think it's accessible and it's potentially cheaper to find something online. But that's it, it, fraught with danger, I think, yeah. as well. So I think I think going and have them fitted by a reputable um, place as well. And I mean there, like length and width of your foot. Yeah, there's and, some good places yeah. around, like yeah. the running company, yeah. for example. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So the running company, you you jog as well. Um, or now Sportitude running. So there's places around you can get really good mm. advice from and get really good service and get fitted really well for. And so that's probably the first thing. And it's then it's it's probably not focusing too much on how you look in that shoe. So it's probably so if a shoe we saw, for example, is a treadmill to run on, run on it to assess your comfort um, and how you feel in that shoe, yeah. not so much the video that was taken and how you look in that shoe because it, that's probably fraught with danger as yeah. well. And then we've got to find the shoe that's suitable for the purpose that we're intended yeah, purpose that we're like doing. trail running, yeah, exactly. sprinting, whatever it is. 100%. So mm. if we're – and that probably leads to a challenging thing, you know, do I need two pairs of running shoes as well? Yeah, Absolutely. Of- <laughs> <laughs> At least. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. So, the type of running you do, I run trails, I run distance, I run, so we, or I run on grass or it's hilly or whatever else it mm. is. And, and that's, that's a, that's probably that. So, if we can go, if we're comfortable and we get something that's for the intended purpose, yeah, we're halfway purpose. there. Yeah. yeah. It's then about, if we then fine tune it for, if someone comes in and they're injured, I've I got to be a little bit careful about, okay, well, we've, you've got an issue in this part of your foot, therefore your shoe has to be able to do this and it's going to fix it. Like, So, we've got to be a little bit careful about that. But we do know that that's potentially helpful as right. well. Um, perhaps we've got an Achilles issue. Um, a certain type of shoe might take away the stress on the Achilles. You know, we know yeah. that intuitively that makes sense. Um and a shoe might be a bit another a, a, a different shoe might be a bit counterproductive in achieving that. Yeah, because yeah. shoes have different. Uh, are they called drops? Like how much from the back yeah. to the front of the shoe? For yeah, example? exactly. Mm. And that's probably the point I was making in yeah. that example there as well. The other thing is, well, it's individualized. So yeah. going back to comfort for a second, and this is what some colleagues in my practice are doing at the moment. Um, There'll be some publication on is what determines comfort. Yeah. Um, we try and st- we hope that you just don't buy the shoe that looks the best. But when you, but clearly we, you know, we're all we're all capable of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what shoe feels what someone likes is going to be different from the next person. So, for example, cushioning in the shoe, mm. or so. What factors determine comfort? We don't actually know. So we've done a broad, like doing a really broad study at the moment um, in the practice where it's looking at well, what looking at what what characteristics of comfort yeah. are important. So is it oh, the width of the shoe? Yeah. Is it the cushioning in the heel of the shoe? Is it cushioning in the forefoot of the shoe? What, you know, what are these characteristics that make up a shoe? Yeah. Mm. For me, I think um, I like to feel 
snug but not too tight and I don't like my shoe to be too heavy. Yeah. So, you know, that's what the kind of things I would look for yeah. personally. Yeah. Mm. And and certainly, I mean, lights, light weights, everything's about what, like a shoe, everything's about weight. So, yeah. and that first fit and feel of a shoe and if it feels lighter, it's, and you're going to be more efficient. If you're carrying around less shoe, you're going to be more efficient. So, that's a good thing. And again, it probably stems back from my principle of I don't not advocating minimalist shoes necessarily, but like keeping it as simple as possible yeah. as well. Um, and the other thing as well, also talking about running shoes, I'm 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 probably more of the time suggesting a football boot or a netball shoe, or like so right. it's sports specific yeah. footwear that I'm talking about, and that's quite different again. So understanding the loads or demands on of that particular sport and what's relevant from a fit but also a function and a you know and a performance point of view in those particular yeah. shoes well that yeah. makes perfect or sense because you wouldn't wear a tennis shoe which has quite a flat sole to go yeah. trail running yeah. and you'd be sliding all over the place yeah that's mm. right and mm. um exactly right so and and this i mean footy boots pretty obvious it looks like a football boot um and there's characteristics of that that make it suitable for playing football in but perhaps yeah a netball shoe is a bit less obvious. And that's yeah. been over my years of practice a you know, really common one, you know, someone wearing a running shoe to play netball in and yeah. conversely. Um, so there, there's particular types of sports shoe for a reason. They're built or constructed in a certain way that are suitable to play that sport in. Yeah. 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 I think probably one of the issues is that for parents it becomes expensive when yeah, your absolutely. kids play Football, netball, touch, cricket, you know, and you're yeah. like, oh, how many shoes do they yeah, need? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Multiple sports and growing feet. Growing like, yeah, feet, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's probably a worthwhile investment from what I'm hearing. Well, I think so. Yeah. And maybe I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Continuing with footwear, I just like some, some quick responses from yep. you on some day to day type of footwear, like, yep. you know, are they good, bad? What are the issues? Yep. So, for example, Flip-flops, we call them thongs in Australia. Yeah. What What do you think about them? Uh, not big on them. Yeah. No, no. I think yeah, there's some, yeah, there's Archies are a product yeah. that's pretty sort of well-known now and I, I, I rate them. I think they're great. And um, again, it probably comes back to purpose. And I always, the caveat, you know, client or patient of mine asks, what, what can I wear uh, like, a, like an arch support? sandal or thong or whatever else it is or Birkenstocks or whatever else it might be these are supposed to be quick answers sorry about it that's um, okay. but um, the it's always well make sure that's for around home and or down to the shops but it's not all the time yeah for eight hours on your feet yeah sort of thing. Yeah. yeah well that Birkenstocks was my next one are they is that any different from a flip-flop or a thong or uh yeah I suppose they're more of a sandal and they're yeah. uh, they're cork based so they're a bit more solid um and they're probably is it, Probably no. To say they're better for your feet, it, it's a bit misleading. But certainly, if you're on your feet for longer periods of time, something that's got more, is more contour to your foot yeah. seems to be more comfortable yeah. um, than than not than having your you know. Sorry to knock them, but Havianas and things like that yeah. are going to be great for your feet. Yeah, and maybe sometime in like you, know, I, you don't uh, often depending on the person like sometimes barefoot's okay as well it's mm. probably a good thing and it's a healthy thing to be doing well it in feels the nice um, absolutely on the work walking on the beach for yeah. example and yeah uh, but and what about for 
uh, women in particular, high yep. heels, like very high heels, like stilettos. Yeah, no good. No good, no. Well, they're not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to fight that battle with <laughs> No, yeah. Yeah, they look good, but yeah, no good for you. What about um, platform shoes, like in this sort of fashion sense, you know, yep. how people have like really thick soles on their sneakers or whatever. What What about those? Um, I guess perhaps in the they're they're safe or okay to use mm. in the in the right space again. But you mean in an athletic shoe or like no, a, no, I mean a, in a fashion shoe. Fashion like shoe. my daughters have these, like, oh, right, okay, okay. you know, like trainer type shoes, but with really big soles. Yeah, I think if you've got like if you're really elevated, you're ultimately a bit more unstable. Mm. Um, and this is so often, you know, often in the clinic, if I ask someone to, to go barefoot and perform something they're more stable because they're close to the ground yeah. and they've got more awareness of what they're standing on they've and there's a touch there's a proprioceptive element to it as well so foot's in contact with the ground rather than having something between their foot and what they're standing on too much underneath the foot's probably a bit counterintuitive and i yeah. suppose it's, it's it's like why is a football boot so close to the ground mm. it's because if you're changing direction at that speed if you had a big platform underneath you'd, you'd have no traction whatsoever yeah. you'd fall over or let alone roll your ankle or do something of that effect. Similarly, in netball or yeah. you know, core baseball or something like that. So too much, ele- too much platform. Yeah, and and I think that that's we, sort of common sense. I think probably, so. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah. So what about everyday shoes? What what do you recommend? What would, what do you wear? Well, I can see what you're wearing now. <laughs> yeah, it probably comes back to finding something. I mean, I, I suppose in the clinic, I'll, I'll wear a pair of boots um, yeah. of some sort. Um, Again, it depends what you do. I suppose what I've said, so in my experience, what I've seen is that, and there's some good brands around bed footwear, sort of do good work or everyday yeah. shoes as well. Uh, uh, Frankie Four. Um, and there's some good like local retailers that will do everyday shoes mm-hmm. if you like. Um, but it's probably more the feature of the shoe. I'm not a big advocate for the slip-on, for example. Like you're doing – so, it's the same sort of features perhaps. Athletic shoes are the easy one because they're, like, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're always comfortable and supportive. Yeah. But I can't wear my sneakers with my – Suit or suit. something. Yeah. Um, so, we need to find something that's relevant. But I often find like, you know, 25-year-old guy that, you know, works in finance in the city or something and he might – and he's still wearing a, a horrible pair of, you know, dress shoes. But he's walking at K – to his work and back from his office, for example, and these things are falling apart. So, having a having a more robust or a better or a well-made yeah. shoe in that regards a good thing as well. If he's going to do that, right? Yeah. So it's worth in, investing, I guess, for want of a better word, in some decent shoes. I think so. That won't fall apart. Yeah, yeah. comfort again, isn't it? Comfort. So, and generally, like you, yeah, you get what you pay for, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Tom, I, I can't resist asking you this question because <laughs> what do you do if someone takes their shoes off and their feet really stink? Uh, put a peg on your nose. No, I, I, it's, um, it's part of the job. I, I bet it is, it's yeah. It's part of the job. I, I, my, <laughs> when people ask that, I sort of like, what do dentists do when they someone opens their mouth? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it's just I don't know. I hope maybe you get used to it over time. Yeah. The funnier thing is people's reaction. They're either really worried about taking their shoes off when they've come to see mm. your podiatrist, or they're quite happy to take their shoes off and they do have very smelly feet yeah. and they don't wear socks and have poor foot hygiene and all the rest. So yeah. Well, I guess that leads to my next question in yeah. terms of you know trying to eliminate 
foot odour if someone yep. does have it. But yep. What do you do about that? Is that foot hygiene based? Or? Generally. Yeah. Uh, people like not wearing, you know, general principles of foot hygiene, perhaps not frequently turning over their shoes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of... Or, or we're not even wearing socks, for example. So socks and shoes, which are made from synthetic materials that don't breathe, yeah. so therefore you know become more occlusive, and then you know you sweat and those sort of things, and subsequently, yeah, smelly feet and yeah. foot odor and all the rest. So it's probably more those basic principles. Yeah, keeping your foot confined in a sweat hot, sweaty hot environment for a long period of time. Yeah. So, to to counteract that, we yeah. should keep our feet clean. Yeah. Uh, turn over our shoes. Yeah. Wear socks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, There's plenty of good socks on the market now too, like athletic wise or dress socks and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Shut up, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just in general, then, Tom. What are some tips for looking after our feet? Yeah. What, what are things that we... I, I mean, if you think about, you mentioned a dentist before, we should brush mm. and floss our teeth twice a day. What should we do to our feet? Good question. I think, I mean, the first few that I've just mentioned, for some people it's more, it's more relevant because of underlying health issues, mm-hmm. like to use diabetes, for yep. example. We should be check. Like, it sounds simple, but checking our feet regularly, okay? Sure. For, you know... Which, stepped on something in the previous so we've walked barefoot or something's got in our shoe or whatever so simple thing of just checking your feet yeah. cuts abrasions these sorts of things that might manifest into something more sinister um that's probably useful for everyone so i think those things it looked i think from my end and probably the athletes for example is um just not ignoring foot pain as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i've got i've got something that i'll ignore that could be it now, that that might even be it. That might be a skin or a nail issue, like a callus or a blister or a, ingrown a nail, an toenail. ingrown toenail. Like how long have you had this for? Three weeks, and it's now infected, mm. and it's nasty, and needs antibiotics as well as you know it needs or, or a removal versus we could have treated it at the start. That's probably the the key. It's like don't ignore it, get it looked at, yeah. get it assessed. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. What about women who have nail polish on the yeah. whole time? Is that bad for their toenails do they need to see the light and the or does it not matter look i'm not the best person to answer this but i think there are instances i've seen where like prolonged use will stain your nails yeah so there's obviously some sort of toxin or something within the Mm. um nail paint with prolonged use and it's not suggesting that's going to happen to everyone again right it's different but for females that do ask me the question, I'll typically say, yeah, why not just take it off when you don't need it on? Yeah, yeah like right. during winter yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, or forgo the need to have it then. So, yeah, not. I think putting paint on our skin or our nails can't be a particularly healthy thing to do. So, Yeah, intuitively it doesn't yeah, seem like yeah. it, does it? I mean, it looks yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, I think that answers that one. <laughs> so, so, Tom, to wrap yeah. up. What do, what do you do to relax? What do you like to do? Uh, I'm, I, as you probably can gather, I, I, I love exercising yeah. and um, main passion surfing. So, cool. And that's got a, both an a exercise component to it and just a mental relaxation yeah. and switch off for me and being in the ocean and, yeah. So that's, that's probably my main thing. And 
I supplement that with, yeah, I'm into CrossFit at the moment. But, Are um, you? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. sister's crazy yeah. for CrossFit. She's yeah. even got a workout of the day named after her. Oh, right. There you mm. go. Mm. There you go. But I've got a four-year-old, so chasing after them, I just found that sort of perhaps a general fitness has been a been been a sort of put me in a good space anyway. Yeah. It feels good. So um, I've done the marathon thing and the cycling thing, but they're also time consuming they as are well. So, very. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe one day again, but yeah, that's that's probably how I would relax more than anything. Listening to music. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. And Tom, who inspires you? Uh, like personally, from a personal yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. Family, I think. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. And um, I have a final question that I like to ask all of my guests. Yep. So, if you could recommend two things that people could do to improve their well-being, it doesn't have to be podiatry-related, just any two things, what would they be? It was interesting when you just said that because they're not podiatry things. And I think that's one thing over my – I'll say what they are in a second. They're, I think they're very simple. But over my experiences being a podiatrist, so – it's, it's about health and well-being in general and that's what I've become more interested mm. in over time and where I fit in with that. And, again, having someone's understanding, not of just of their foot injury that they've got, but just their health in general yeah. is probably what I'm most passionate about. So, first thing that comes to mind, exercise regularly yeah. and eat well. Yeah. Um, so, and that's probably what I try and do myself. So, I think there's – I think the, the, the benefits of – living a better life uh you know we can't ignore them that's sort of at the for me they're the two yeah. things yeah i totally agree and yeah. it's not just how you feel physically it affects how you feel mentally as yeah, well absolutely e- exercise and particularly i think i think so and that combined with good nutrition and you're sort of halfway there yeah, yeah. and sleep's another More good than one halfway there. yeah absolutely yeah get a good night's sleep if you yeah. can if you've yeah. got a four-year-old <laughs> i haven't had as good sleep for four years but yeah anyway yeah no i think i went for i don't know catch up it takes it yeah it takes years to recapture that sleep once you've had children but you know yeah. now now i sleep you know very well the yeah. kids are yeah. much older yeah so tom can you tell us then if someone is based in adelaide yeah where can they find your practice? Sure. So, my I, my practice is at 91 Kensington Road, Norwood, mm-hmm. um, and the practice name is uh, the Biomechanics Lab. Great. Yeah. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And, Tom, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks, Amanda. It's um, Thanks for having me on. It's been yeah, really great to talk. And that was podiatrist Tom May. Thank you for listening to Vibrant Lives podcast today. I hope you found today's interview with Tom interesting. If you did, please share the podcast and tell your friends about it. And if you could take a minute to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, it will help people find my podcast. If you would like to subscribe to Vibrant Lives Podcast, you can subscribe on all good podcast providers such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio and YouTube. Please follow me on Instagram and Facebook And check out my website at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to, please DM me or send me a message via the contacts page on my website and suggest a topic you'd like to learn about or someone you'd like to hear interviewed, and I will try and deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love, and as many of you know, it has become my full-time job. 
I do dedicate a lot of time, money and effort towards producing my podcast. So if you enjoy my podcast and would like to support it, I would be so grateful. You can make one-off contributions via my Patreon page or via PayPal from the support page on my website. And another way you can support my podcast is by purchasing a book from the book reviews page on my website. If you click on the Amazon link there, at no extra cost to you, I receive a small commission when you buy a book. So thank you very much if you do do that. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.